Okay. Episode 29. All right. Man, it's still going. Nobody shut it down yet. I think we're going to hit 30. I really That's, do. It's possible. God, I'm going to name it and Although claim the world, it. the world could end between now and next week, you never know. Probably you not. think so? That. Probably won't. Is that, was that our six-second prophecy out update? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Anyways, so, um, man, it's been hot outside. Really hot. I thought this time of the year it was at least supposed to start to cool down. Yeah, it's been hot. But you know what? Hot I just talked human. to Ryan it's been outside. Hot, moist. Ryan, I don't even know. I don't know if Ryan is really. I don't think he even knows about the podcast. I got to tell him. We probably need to fill him there. in. But Ryan it lives in a place called Baghdad, Arizona. There's such a place? There is a place. It's like Moscow, Idaho. No, Baghdad, Arizona is everything you think it would be. My Dry, son was there last sandy, year. Sandy, hot. Yep. Sounds like it. Yep. Really, one convenience store. Do they have a river running through it? No. No, well, it's not like the Baghdad, it's, the it, real Baghdad. It's got a mining town oh, attached okay. to it. What so. kind of mine? I think it's copper. Copper? Copper so. or silver. Don't they have a lot of silver mines there? They do, but I don't think in Baghdad. Tombstone. Oh, um, man. Did you see the movie Tombstone? Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, that was I'll a great I'll be a Huckleberry. Movie. Oh, man. You're a daisy if you do. Yeah. I have two guns, one for the each of you. <laughs> he's so drunk, he's probably seeing double. I have two guns. That's a great line. You know, that, Val Kilmer, that may have been his last good movie. He stole that one. He Did stole he? that movie. Oh, yeah. He yeah, was yeah, amazing that was in that movie. He was yeah. great. I love the line where he makes the comment that Wyatt Earp is my friend, and the guy says, I have lots of friends. He said, I don't. It was a good line. That is a good line. Yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah, it was. It, who was the other guy, the main guy in that show? That Kurt played? Russell. Kurt Russell, that's who it he was. He did a good job of being yeah, a Yeah, I think he did. I think so. I mean, I have a friend who pastors a church in Prescott, Arizona. Yep. And uh, there's a gal in his church that her parents, she's old, she's over 100 years old, and her parents rented a home from Wyatt Earp when she was a little kid. She knew Wyatt Earp. Well, you know, the Earps lived in Poway. What? Yeah, there's a guy named Jim Earp. He was part of Calvary Chapel, uh, the Calvary <coughs> Chapel movement. Did worship and stuff, but he was related to. Yes, he was. It was Wyatt like his. Earp? It was like his grandpa or something. So, did you pick up your son's name from Wyatt Earp? Sort of. I mean, I like the name Wyatt. Yeah, and it was our first kid. And I said, you know, I want something different, but okay. not so weird that nobody's heard it. Yeah. So you know, falafel Childers just doesn't have a ring to it. But I don't Wyatt, know. That sounds pretty darn good. Falafel It'll was, make your mouth water every time you say it, though. Hungry. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, no, and so I thought, man, you know, when I think in my head, a kid named Wyatt, you know, he's the he's the five year old kid in kindergarten with the two cap guns. Yeah, you can't have those anymore. You can't in kindergarten. No, you cause like yeah, an oh international yeah, incident. you can't take them. You know, gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, how things have changed, big time, big time. Yeah. Well, speaking of how things have changed, I got an article kind of about that today. Oh wow, the, today in the news with Miles De Benedictus. Uh, yeah, Dateline, uh, August 25th, which is a few days ago, Wall Street Journal. Big uh, research came out this week. Americans have shifted dramatically on what values matter most. The values that Americans say define the national character are changing as younger generations rate patriotism, religion, and having children as less important to them than did young people two decades ago, a new Wall Street Journal NBC News survey finds. So like a dramatic shift in the way that um, younger generation, so 18 to 38-year-olds, how they view belief in God, having children. So a lot of them are just kind of like, yeah, not interested in having kids, which um, is a interesting thing. So Yeah, that's not a good sign. No, not a good sign at all. It's very European, actually. Yep. yep. Yeah, going the way of all Europe. And that's why Europe does not look like Europe used to look. Right. So... They still Changing. have a high view of hard work, community involvement, and tolerance for others. But when it comes to patriotism, religion, and belief in God, and having children, they say, yeah, nope. Mm -mm. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So changes over time. You think they're led away by media? I think what they probably that... needed was more cap guns growing up. They did. They should have. Yeah. Cops, robbers, you know, the whole Good deal. guys, bad guys. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Except cops and robbers and... Uh, what was it? Cops and Indians. That kind of stuff's not politically correct no more. Oh, cowboys no more. and Indians. Cowboys and Indians. Yeah, cops yeah. and robbers. Cowboys and Indians. You can't do that kind of stuff. No cap guns. None of that stuff. Wow. Boy, oh boy. That's not. Yeah. It's. It, wow. 
There was no hate in those games. No. I mean, come on. These same kids that weren't allowed to play cops and robbers and cowboys and Indians are playing Grand Theft Auto on PlayStation. Like, yeah, that's a step up. Yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. My kids, our trigger room's got real triggers. <laughs> you know, yeah my kids all grew up it's outdoors called a trigger warning not a trigger room oh, oh really yeah I, safe space trigger warning yeah not a trigger room oh was it i thought it was a place you have a trigger warning though right yeah absolutely yeah, don't put your finger on the trigger don't, unless you intend to pull it and fire. exactly keep it pointing in a safe direction that's a trigger warning right there yeah never point Assume never pointed at anything you don't want to destroy hit. yeah exactly right that pretty much served you really well trigger warning yeah it does no that's like well, one of the first rules right they actually had trigger rooms on the college campuses, and if you were triggered, that's I guess... That's called a safe space. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I guess they would go in and, you know, hug a Winnie the Pooh or... Well, no, Winnie the Pooh is way too cool for a college campus. They don't deserve Winnie the Pooh. Man, it's speaking some of other, that, I got some, you know, I got some footage to show you of... Uh, this is probably a couple weeks old news story, but there was a... I want to say it was Democratic Socialists Movement. Young Democratic Socialist Movement were having like a, a political gathering. I think it was in the state of New York somewhere. And uh, the videos of these people trying to get anything done because there were so many trigger warnings. They had a special safe space you could go for people who were very sensitive to smells. And they were cautioning people that you can't go in there if, you're, um, if your cologne or your deodorant is too much because it would be insensitive to the poor people who are very sensitive to smells. Wow. I'd like to go in there after some broccoli and crab cakes for lunch. You know, that'd, be, that'd be kind of fun, actually. I don't want to be anywhere near you after broccoli I'm just and saying, crab you cakes. know what? There's, think, we all have our little forms of like terrorism. A county, a county away. Terrorism. Much, yeah. yeah. Mm. Bioterrorism. Okay. Fix that. Well, in, <laughs> in another news. Real um, news. Some more news. Renowned Yale computer science professor leaves Darwinism. He says that the uh, Darwinism he kissed, does not He kissed fit. Darwinism goodbye? He did. So this is an atheistic uh, computer scientist and mathematician. He said that... Um, okay, so let me make sure. Now, so this isn't some crazy religious Bible-reading nut no, guy. No, this is a pretty like uh, smart academician who okay. um, he says that the, the evidence does not support Darwinian evolution. And uh, it's caused a little bit of a stir in the atheistic scientific community because this is a very well-respected... Uh, academic and they're saying yeah he says it just doesn't fit doesn't seem to fit with what we see in the evidence he didn't like bring the facts into it did he he did bring facts oh man and he caused some people's feelings to get hurt because facts don't care about your feelings let me see if i got no i got nothing i got no tears you got nothing nothing i'm glad to hear it galertner david galertner galertner that's his name that's quite a name wow you don't think he ever got ribbed when he was a kid do you well, with the, with the cool hair thing he's got going on. Got crazy hair? Yeah, he's got crazy hair. You know, I had a teacher's aide one time mm-hmm. in junior high school. Yeah. And his, his name was Dave Weiner. Oh, that's just not right. I know. It wasn't right, but I asked him. I said, He's Jewish. Oh, very much. Yeah. And, and, and German Jewish, probably. Venner? Yeah. But yeah. And I asked him, I go, did you ever get teased when you were a kid? And he just looked at me, blank stare. Go, of course I got teased. Are okay. you teasing me now? No, I wasn't teasing him. Are you kidding? He was my people. Hey, so all the stuff we've been talking about in First John the last uh, couple months about being a Christian, yeah, and um, like actually living it out. I was reading this this uh, quote. Actually, I was reading a letter from Saint Ignatius to the church at Rome. Which There's is a, like, this is Saint a Saint Ignatius. Time ago. That's great. Ignatius. This you is, don't hear a lot of people named Ignatius anymore. Early second century. And uh, I really liked this quote. This is thousands of years ago. I think you're going to like it too. He said, it is not that I want merely to be called a Christian, but actually to be one. Yeah. That's good. He went on to say, yes. That's a t-shirt there. He said, yes, if I prove to be one, then I can have the name. Yeah. There you go. It wasn't so easy to be a Christian. That's called old wisdom. Yeah. He was on his way to be martyred in Rome. And he was telling the Roman church... Don't try to save me. Don't try to save me. Right. Wow. Don't try any grandiose ideas of clinking me, you know, get me out of the clink. No no vials in a cake nope. or anything like nope, that. Nope, nope, nope. Wow. Yeah. That dude was a real Christian. Yeah, he was talking about the way that the Roman soldiers who were extraditing him to Rome, how they were treating him, they weren't treating him very nicely. 
And he said in his letter, by their injustices, I am becoming a better disciple. Boy, you don't hear that out of people. That's something to really think about. That person who's treating you bad at work, by their injustices, you're becoming a better disciple. Well, didn't we talk about injustice last week? I don't know. Did we? Yeah, we did. Injustice came up. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, in our podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about the message. Sorry. No, 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 no. Like when I say we, that would, you know, I wasn't up there helping. Okay, I mean, so I was cheering you on. This was texted yeah. to me on the on the line, 760-814-1223. Text us your questions. But uh, this came in. This was not on the list of questions, but I thought you might like it. Hi, Pastor Miles and Pastor Mark. Really enjoyed podcast number 28. Now that you have dozens of listeners and all. Dozens? Then we got a multitude. You said hundreds, but he, but this is fine. This is okay. Just listen. You're going to like this. Yeah. Now that you have dozens of listeners and all, it might be time for a catchphrase using a couple choice quotes from the podcast episodes. What do you think of this? The Questions Podcast. Spiritual minty freshness and cold-blooded love. <laughs> oh, 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 you don't think he's... <laughs> Those are probably two that really... Yeah. Yeah. Spiritual minty freshness and cold-blooded love. I think that probably describes the... Uh, podcast the questions podcast or at least it describes pastor miles and pastor mark i think there's probably a little bit of truth to that it's always funniest when it's the truth right which one's spiritual minty freshness and which one's cold-blooded love i think it's both okay cool cool we, we can i think go we back and forth we suffer from both afflictions right yeah depending on what side of the bed that i wake up on yeah so all right man oh man a refreshing minty fresh cold-blooded love cold-blooded love Man, this... we can jump right into the cold-blooded love and the spiritual oh, minty freshness. Man. Now, mm. the first question for the podcast this week didn't get texted in. It did not written get in. it get handwritten? Was hand delivered, and it was handwritten in all caps. Does that mean this person's yelling at us, or is that no? no? Okay. I think that. Um, see, I don't get offended by all caps. Neither do I, because I like it. I go, man, okay, that's really dad, easy to read. My dad wrote in all caps. Oh, really? Our friend, the architect, he writes in all caps. Do you he write does. in all caps? Uh, typically not, but sometimes I sneak one in by accident, and they say that's some kind of mental defect, which I'm like, okay, I got it. Cold-blooded love. Cold-blooded love. You know what? All right. So this was handed to me, and this person was genuinely, this is a great question. Uh-huh. Uh, what's the difference between knowing about God and knowing and trusting God? Super good question. That's a great question. You know, it's kind of, did that get handed to you before the message? Yes. Because I kind of talked about, uh, did I talk about Nicodemus this week or last week? It last week. It was last week. Okay, all right. Because Nicodemus, he knew a lot about God, but he didn't know God. That's true. A lot of the religious leaders in Jesus' day, they knew a lot about God, but they didn't know God because they missed Jesus when he came. So, so there's a good example of people who know a lot about God, but don't actually know God. So... I don't know. You you had some thoughts on this though that I I think were good. You want to? Well, I, I well, I mean, there was the skateboard analogy we talked about. Because our friend who gave us this is an old timey skateboarder. Yeah, he's like the classics. Like this guy yeah. was skateboarding back in the seventies and eighties when guys like Tony Alva and uh, Doug Saladino and, was Tony you know, Hawk around then? Not yet. Not yet. Hawk was not on the scene quite. He's yet. really the only the only like skateboarder I know. He came out of all that, seeing all that. But, okay. Uh, you know, uh, he's a local guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But just all these famous skateboarders when they were developing the sport, and he says, "What's?" I said, "It's like this, bro. You got guys who I, we used to get skateboarder magazine, and there was always articles on you know all these different techniques and all these." you know, new equipment that you had to have. Cause basically magazines are do, they do nothing. And you know, now we have the internet, they just exist to sell stuff. Yes. So they always do. have to, you know, come up with it's new like stuff for you to buy advertisement and yeah. And last product, the year's product just won't work. Right. You don't want to be seen in last year's product. And I just told them it's the difference between the guys who are actually in the pool, skating, developing all this stuff. And the guys who were writing about it, it's two totally different camps. Yeah. And the guys who are actually out there making history and the others are reporting it, they're, they know what this is about. And I think it's a lot, Christianity is a lot like that. There's the, those who talk about it and study about it, but then there's those that do. Yeah. And so a relationship with the Lord. Um, well, and that's been kind of the common thing, especially since the, uh, the early Calvary Chapel days and the Jesus people days. They would constantly tell people they don't have religion, they have relationship. 
And so that's one of those things that sounds really good, but you kind of have to ask someone, what exactly do you mean that by mean? that? Like, what do you mean that you have a relationship with God? And, um, you know, most of the time that I've asked people that question, they've had some pretty good answers, you know, that they, they seek to live in devotion to God. They seek him for wisdom and direction. Um, you know, I found a, I was listening to a podcast, another podcast a little while ago, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a podcast with um, one of the authors that I like, another guy who's got crazy hair, Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, he's got some crazy hair. He does. And he, he was talking about how when he's in California and he's in the L.A. area where he, he spends a, a fair amount of time. I think he lives in New York. But when he's out in California, he says he likes to write. And he, when he's writing, he likes to uh, sit in a coffee shop that's near where he stays. And the coffee shop, he said, is right next door to a Southern California seminary. I don't know which seminary he was referring to. And he, he was just commenting on how amazing it was one time because he was, when you're, when you're studying in a, in a coffee shop, it's, you know, a challenge to not eavesdrop on other people's conversations. Yes. So he was talking about how he was listening in on a conversation of a couple of people who he assumed had to be seminary students because right. most of the people in there were. And he was just really amazed by the fact that they were talking about decisions that they were trying to make and a couple of gals i think and he said that one of the gals was saying you know i just really want to seek the lord and find out what the lord wants me to do and he was commenting because he he spends a lot of time mostly around people who are not christians and that that would just be completely absurd to someone who you know that you would basically relinquish your right to make your own decision to somebody else to god i think she knows god i think she knows god Yeah, yeah she's submitting it to saying I want the Lord's wisdom and direction for my life. And he was really amazed by that. So it, he was commenting on this podcast how, how, I guess he would say, you know, you've got to honor that, like respect that there, that someone would be willing to say, God, I want you to be the one who directs my life. That's a big deal. We had kind of a cool thing this morning. I picked up a text from uh, somebody we both know and really like, and uh, she's a big part of the Good News Club. And uh, Good News Club is an awesome ministry here locally. We're involved in, I think, six schools right now and Camp Pendleton. Uh, our people get to go on base and into the schools and um, provide like a, it's like an after school care or something like that. But they get to actually do almost like vacation Bible school five days a week, no limitations with the kids. All the kids will show up and they hang out and they learn about Jesus. And we do this in the public schools, and it's it's I, I think it's amazing. But um, we're just praying for a certain school that's been a little bit uh, hesitant, little closed, a little closed, a little hesitant to have us. And and so uh, anyway, she had sent a text this morning to my wife and said, "Hey, I'm going to be in a little late. I got to meet them and pray because this has been a little a little tough." And it was interesting because um, I just immediately went through my head and my heart uh, that a gift opens the way, opens the door, so to speak, for um, the bearer of the gift. Yeah. And then there's also another scripture about Proverbs. the bribe. Yeah, Proverbs, Proverbs about 18, the bribe, 16 too. says, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Right. And it's so true. I told her, hey, go to Starbucks, get a drip, get a latte, get a vanilla latte, and get a caramel macchiato, and go through the door and give those to the administrative people. And then when you meet with a guy, just talk about what we're doing in the other schools. Because the thing we're doing in the schools, also helping with some of the supplies, is a real real benefit to help with the supplies and things. And I said, that just that's I really feel you need to do that. And what was really cool is she did exactly what I told her. So we'll see what happens. Uh-huh. And it may be that this administrator is like, God put his best foot forward, so to speak, using her, and he's going to tell God, no way, but that's a decision he's going to leave with, or maybe that's going to open the door. But I felt like the Lord was very specific with, like, let's go and, you know, let's go try to bring a gift through the door to try to bless these people. And so that's, why is that? She's following God. She's, okay, I'm hearing from my pastor. That's what I'm going to do. And she's going to trust that the Lord's using her pastors and, and uh, she's going forward in the trust that uh, he wants to do something at that school. That's somebody who follows God. There you go. Knows God. Mm-hmm. Because she trusts him. And so I'm so excited about the saints at this church. I run into so many great saints that truly, they're not playing church. They know God, and they're a constant encouragement to me. 
They love God. They ain't lying. Old left Eddie, man. That's a yeah. great quote. Yeah. So that's knowing God, taking that action and doing it. Sometimes you have reservation, but you really show you know God when you actually go out and do what he's asked us to do. That's the proof. So, yep. On about God, I know people that can argue every theological argument up and down and sideways, but it's kind of like just... Well, and it's almost the same as like, you know, you can get a lot of information about well-known people on the mm-hmm. internet. You can get to know that person or know oh, yeah. about that person, but you don't really know that person. You don't have a relationship with them. No. So... It is that issue of having a relationship with someone. Yeah. Go fishing with that guy. He's probably a different guy than the magazine says he is. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So that's the difference. Sounds good. All right. Um, you want me to roll into number one here? Sure. Well, uh, I guess it's number two technically because yeah, we technically. did that. That wasn't well, on the list, but it's pre, good. preemptive, yeah, something. That was the appetizer. How's that sound? There you go. Nice. Yeah. I like it. It was, it was the appetizer. So... I'm confused about the difference in translation in First John 5, 7, and 8. If First John 5, 7, 8, it, it says have. It probably means has something that seems to have been added. Oh, no, have something that seems to have been added later by a scribe. How do we know there aren't other passages that have been added or deleted? Does this call into question the trustworthiness of the Bible? And, yeah, that's the end of that question. And my immediate answer is no. Yeah, I don't think it does. No, not at all. Um, But I think you could probably really expand on that as far as how much the Bible is researched, how infallible it is. Um, The amount of effort that has been put into the accuracy of the Bible, go. (laughs) Yeah, you got it. Oh, there you go, huh? Yeah. You just kind of volley that one across the net. Yeah. Well, I've heard you speak to it. I think you do it really well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I mean, I think I made the point on Sunday that I I recognize that textual issues like this, when you come to a passage that's contested, and probably the other biggest one in the scriptures is the last, I think, eight verses of Mark chapter 16, the last verses of the Gospel of Mark. Um, They don't appear in some English translations. So it causes people all kinds of issues when they come to a passage like this because they start to question, you know, is this... Right, right. how, How can we trust the scriptures? And I recognize that these textual issues, they can be confusing and they can be challenging, but as to the trustworthiness of the Bible, I don't think that it that it's an issue, and I think it should be noted that of, of all the bodies of texts that we have in the world, the Bible has been studied more than any other text, hands down. And so textual cri- criticism has been, it's, that's the whole study, you know, they have this whole, you know, Is that area. a class? No, but I mean, if you look at, well, I guess it probably is. I mean, there's degrees and you can get a degree in textual criticism, all kinds of stuff. But when you look at textual criticism, it's been a very long process in the Christian church. And um, those studying it, studying it, they've worked really hard to determine the legitimacy of the text that we have for us today. And so if you subjected any other religious text to the same kind of scrutiny that the Bible has had, so I think of the Book of Mormon or the Quran. If you took those, they I guarantee they would not be able to stand under the weight of scrutiny that the Bible has gone through. There's a big motorcycle engine there. Um, additionally, the manuscript evidence for the Bible, there's, there's tons of it for the New Testament. I want to say there's something like 25,000 different fragments and manuscripts and codices and all these different things available on New Testament scripture. But not just the, the manuscript evidence, but also the writings that are written by, you know, early church fathers and, you know, all these different people throughout Christian history, especially early Christian history. So second century AD. So this is just after the founding of the church within, you know, 60 years of the time that Jesus ascended into heaven. So all of these writings, the quotations of the scriptures that are in these writings, the commentary on the scriptures that are in these writings, and then the manuscripts themselves, we have this huge body of texts where we can piece things together to see what's authentic. And the very fact that we know that first John chapter five, verses seven and eight, that that portion of scripture that I mentioned on Sunday does not seem to appear in any of that is it's not quoted by any of the early church fathers. And it's not in any of those early manuscripts having to do with first John. So we go, well, you know, it doesn't show up until 1400 years later. So it it would seem to be out of step with what the text says. Now, the big issue that people have with that text, and I've met some people over the years that they, they point to that text. They go, look, right here, this proves the Trinity. Because if you look at the New King James Version, let me bring it up here real quick. The New King James Version and the King James Version of 1 John chapter 5, 
it, it reads in that passage, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. So they say, well, right there, there's the Trinity. In heaven, the Father, the Word, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So when you say, well, those words do not appear to be in the original, they go, well, that means that we've got a problem with the Trinity. No, we don't. No, we don't. There's other because places. Yeah. you can build systematic theology. You can build the case for the Trinity from Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And God said, let there be light. So we have the Spirit of God. We have God the Father. We have the Word of God. Let there be light, Jesus. We see all of them. Then they say, let us make man in our image. So beginning at Genesis all the way to Revelation, we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We can build the doctrine of the Trinity. We don't need 1 John chapter 5, the disputed passage in verse 7 and 8 for that. So I, I just don't know that it's a... It's something to really stumble over. But I do think we should admit when we come to passages where there's variance in the text that there are differences in the text. So that brings up the question, why uh, the first part of this question was, you know, why do we have differences in the English translations? Well, we have a whole bunch of English translations, New Living Translation, New International, New King James, English Standard Version, going out of list, a lot, lots of them. And those translations, they are oftentimes built off of different Greek texts. So the New King James and the King James Version, they were developed off of a the text, really the only major text that they had at the time in the 1600s when the King James Version was uh, translated was what's called the Received Text or the Textus Receptus. And that contained that portion of Scripture in 1 John 5. So that's why it shows up in the New King James and the King James. All the other, well, most of the other English translations of the Bible, they come from some other translations, the majority right. text, the right. Nestle Land uh, uh, text. So there's lots of them. And um, and so there's variants. And these guys who study these things, they do a really good job to determine what's the best for us. Now, the fact is today we have free access to every version. We also have access on the internet to all the underlying Greek texts. So if you want, you can go learn Greek and read them for yourself to see what do they say. And uh, so we have a trustworthy Bible. I think that we can really say we, we have what we need when it comes to this. That would be my answer. Okay. Uh, and I'm thinking just the fact that we're talking about this shows how, because this is not a huge deal. Just the fact that we're talking about this shows how well-researched and how much we've come down to just the, really the head of a pin on some of this stuff. So, yeah. Um, There's tons of scholarship, tons of writing from historians and... Uh, scholars of the original texts and uh, i mean you can just go into volumes and volumes and volumes of information on this sort of stuff and uh it's worth doing if you're really interested in that sort of stuff but you, you'll spend years trying to weed through a lot of the texts but i certainly wouldn't let this shipwreck my faith or lose my faith no. in the uh, uh well obviously the lord but the translation of the bible i just this is does nothing to rock my faith in the translate translation of the bible as it's been translated yeah, there was a so. statement that came out called the Chicago Statement on Biblical um, Inerrancy. Um, came out a number of years ago, late 70s, I want to say. And some really important, major, you know, well-known Christian people of the 20th century are signers on this whole thing. So, you know, you have names like John MacArthur and Ray Stedman and um, Luis Palau. You know, so we know a number of these real names. Real lightweights of the faith is what Josh you're saying. Josh McDowell, yeah. Francis yeah. Schaefer, they were all signers on the uh, Chicago Statement of Inerrancy. And I was I was looking through it again earlier just because of this question. There? Well, you know, I wasn't even born when it was signed. So, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure you were a Christian when it was signed. So, 1978. No, I don't think I was. A, yeah, I wasn't a Christian yet. Yeah, so we weren't. I signers. wasn't a anything yet. Yeah, we can be. What, what would it be? Post hoc? No, I don't remember. We, after the fact, is that post hoc? I don't remember. We we can be signers. Post hoc. I'm okay. going to say that. All right. I don't speak Latin, but if I remember correctly. But anyways, it makes the point that, you know, we affirm that the, the scripture is um, inerrant in its original autographs. And we do as best as we possibly can to determine what those original autographs are. And in doing that, we come to passages like 1 John 5, 7 and say, that doesn't appear to be in the original autograph. Okay. Yeah. I call that was a very, very, very long answer. Answer. But I mean, very thorough. True. Okay. Number two, can we lose our salvation if we once believed in God, but then we go through a bad period 
where we can't pray or do good works, even if we still believe in God. And then another person sent in a very similar question. Yes. Was Pastor Miles saying that someone who has genuinely trusted Christ for salvation can lose their salvation? If not, does the pastor believe in eternal security? Boy, oh boy. Well, I went back just to make sure that double, I said... You, you, double, you double listened. Just to make sure. Yeah. I didn't just listen. Uh-huh. I actually read the transcript of what I said in the message. And, and I think that it's worth, it's worth noting. And I think I can actually... Yeah, we can have discussions all day long, and it's been going on for 400 years about lose your salvation, not lose your salvation. I know this for sure. You are eternally secure as you abide in Christ. That was at one and a half speed, so I was a little faster there. But you, that was one and a half lattes. What was that? Well, that's how I, I normally Espresso. speak, right? No, so, you don't. No. It's all close. Right, here, let's slow it down. Let's just... Yeah, we can have discussions all day long, and it's been going on for 400 years about lose your salvation, not lose your salvation. I know this for sure. You are eternally secure as you abide in Christ. You are eternally secure as you abide in Christ. So I think that's can worth you, can saying. Can you play that at half speed one time? <laughs> For us slow <laughs> people. Speed. Oh, here we go. Yeah, this sounds just horrific. You are eternally secure as you abide in Christ. Wow. Now, if we, if we had wow, communion man. wine at Cross Connection Church, that might be what well, it sounds like. I think like. if you had communion weed. We just have co- yeah, communion that, grape You juice, sound so. stoned in there. That is... <laughs> Man, that is... Uh, anyway, so, uh, so yeah. So the stoners could play the, the, the message at half speed half and speed. totally get it. Yes. That's wow. Yeah. So, so throw so, the bag of Doritos and yeah, I got it. Okay. So I do know this for sure. As I said in the message, you e- are eternally, eternally secure, secure as you, you abide in Christ. Christ, man. So that word, that last word there is so important. Abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. That's so very, very important that you abide in Christ. Now, that quote, you are eternally secure as long as you abide in Christ. Where'd you steal that? Pastor Chuck Smith. Right. Right. Turn in your Bibles, uh, you know. I, I, I had my take. My, my take was like, what? Because I, I don't like this. I mean, the, the question, question of the, eternal security. The question's security? fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's fine. We don't lose our salvation like we've lost keys or a wallet. Right. I, you know, we talked about this the okay, other day. Yeah, the it, adjective "lost" in front of yeah, salvation yeah, lost. is so lost not is a not good a good. One. No. You know, if you now renounce, reject, yeah, yeah, jump off the Jesus wagon, whatever you want to and, call and it. I mean, it does bring up the question: Can a person renounce or reject their their uh, salvation? They can and have, listen, there are. Doesn't Hebrews speak to that too? Well, there are a whole bunch of scholars on the eternal security guy side mm-hmm. who have mountains of verses to prove their position and there are a whole bunch of scholars on the apostasy side who believe that you could reject or renounce your salvation who have mountains of verses for their position and my position has always been if you have mountains of verses on both sides then you have to have a balanced view on this whole sort of thing and recognize that there are very strong warnings about apostasy and hebrews is a great passage for that hebrews 6 hebrews 10 so hebrews 3 even now, if you want to talk about security and then Romans 8, Romans 9, these are some good security passages. So I've told people before that if we're teaching through Romans, I'm going to sound like a real staunch eternal security guy. If I'm teaching through Hebrews 6, you're going to think that I believe that you could lose your salvation. And I do think that for the the person who is walking in sin, I have no problem giving them a little fear and saying, hey, uh, yeah, that, that time that you prayed that prayer, make your call and election sure. Stop walking in sin. Yeah. I'm concerned about your salvation and stuff. We, we used to call them fire insurance Christians. Right. They, they, they said the prayer once and they thought they had fire insurance. Why have you not been baptized? I'm concerned about your salvation, salvation and, and stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Tonight now, we were going up against Satan's cavemen. Ooh. Mm. I love that movie. Gosh. Nacho. Hey, well... And, and my answer to the big theological argument is like, I think we're spending too much time on this, guys. Is like, what part of the parable of the sower do we not understand? Most of it. Okay. Because I was going to say, like, you're, you're going to fall into one of those classifications. And so we have four soils. Four soils. The seed is the word of God. Yep. And the sower is, scatters seed. Right. And some falls on the wayside and the birds of the air come and snatch it away. Right, and that's, so that's falls. the guy who's you know just got nothing to do with it. 
the birds of the area, the yeah. enemy who mm-hmm. comes and sows doubt and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Then there's some that falls in shallow ground and it springs up really, really quickly. Yep. But because it has no depth of root when the sun comes and Jesus says the sun is trials, difficulty, yep. it burns it out. Some falls among the weeds and the weeds grow up and choke it out. He says that's the cares of this world and the yep. deceitfulness of riches. Mm-hmm. And then he says some falls on soil that was well prepared and it produces fruit, some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. So we have four different fruits, four different outcomes, and only one of them is fruitful, yeah. which is very challenging. So yeah. your thoughts on this? Well, my thought was that it pretty much fall, you're going to fall into this person that they're talking about, this ethereal person. It's really never an ethereal person. When somebody comes and asks this, this question, yes. there's somebody in the back of their mind. It's typically yeah. a son or a daughter. Well, and I, I think I know. mentioned to you the other day, I yeah. was running on the treadmill and I was listening to Ravi Zacharias an apologist talk and he made a point and I just thought, man, that that's absolutely right. And he said he learned a long time ago that behind every question is a questioner. Right. That's a really and, good point. And I think it is a good point. And I realized that I, I, I think I could say with certainty that every person I've ever talked to who is worried about whether or not a person can lose their salvation, who really wants to stand up for eternal security. And I get it. Like I like the idea of eternal security. So the, the warnings of Scripture... They, Where do I sign up? Yeah. The warnings of Scripture, they challenge me too. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably the worst one is many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these wonderful works in your names? And he says, depart from me, depart I never from knew me. you. I never knew you. It's like, dude! Right. You knew a lot of stuff about God, question number one, yeah. but you didn't know God. So, um, so those warnings are challenging. But every time I've talked with someone who has an eternal security question, invariably... They have a son or a daughter or sometimes a, another family member, brother, sister, someone close to them who once upon a time was a churchgoer and now they're not. And they are worried, can this person lose their salvation? And in, in that situation and in that time, I want to say to that person, I have said this, don't be lulled into an evangelistic apathy that right. says they're okay, they're okay. Go share the gospel with them and just continue to, you know, I, I mean, if you're worried it about someone. it, if, well, but if you're worried about it, maybe God's put that on your heart to go minister to them. Well, and I was thinking about yeah. uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians because he was worried that the Galatians were being moved from the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel, to unorthodox teaching, that they were, their faith was shifting. And so... I was looking at this just earlier. He says in Galatians 3.1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as a crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, that you're now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? Indeed, if it was in vain. And then in chapter 4, he goes on and says, I'm afraid for you, lest I've labored in vain for you. My little children, for whom I labor again in birth... Um, until Christ be formed in you, I would I would be present with you. Now change my tone, but I have doubts about you. So he's saying, listen, I'm concerned for your salvation. And stuff. And so I'm writing this letter because I want to make sure that you right. continue. Uh, you, one of your favorite passages, uh, Galatians 5, 1, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty but whereby Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again to the yoke of bondage. So I am set free. There. Um, and one thing I don't want to miss in this uh-huh. don't, is because it, it's this two-part question. It says, if then if we go through a bad period where we can't pray or do do good works, even if we still believe in God, that's another little nuance yeah, that's to this thing. Very nuanced. And I think a person just needs to remember that you know there are certain seasons seasons in your relationship with the Lord and. Uh, you're not feeling close to him or, right. or, you know, you're not drawing close to him and it's, it's you. He, God hasn't gone anywhere. Um, but there's a season to that and you know, God's not. Well, and the season analogy is a good one too, because yeah. there are many seasons where there's no fruit. True. So, you know, sometimes it's a season of, you know, fall and winter and then spring is great. Things are going great. Yeah. And you know, the summer harvest is wonderful, but there are times where you go through these seasons as a Christian where, the emotions are not there. The feeling is not there. And you need to continue to plod forward with the Lord and trust the Lord. Now, I would say the person who's concerned about that, that that, that person is not should not be worried about their salvation necessarily. Right. But, um, but it is a good time for sometimes for self-examination. 
Uh, maybe you're doing something that's God's not real crazy about. That's not biblical. And you're doing that. And maybe that's just in your heart. Sep- you're separating yourself from the Lord. Yeah. And he's not separating from so you. Does the pastor believe in eternal security? Yes. As long as you abide in Christ. And if I see someone who is not seeming to walk with the Lord, then I'm going to do exactly what Ezekiel three says, you know, go and turn that person to repentance, call them back to the Lord. We see that same sort of thing throughout the scriptures. So, um, I want to make sure that a person is walking closely with the Lord and I'm not going to try and lull myself into an apathy uh, just because they prayed a prayer. Cool. Yeah. That's answered. And then yes. some. Numero tres. Or four, if you count the first Yeah, that was question. four. Yeah, well, we'll call it. Yeah, sure. That's true. What do you think was Paul's thorn in the flesh? And do you think he was ever married? The two-part question here. Yeah, double dipper. Yeah, uh, his thorn in the flesh... I'm not 100% sure. I mean, there's two basic views that I've seen on this. One is that he had a physical problem, physical disorder. Yeah. Uh, Some people especially think he had an eye problem, which you can kind of deduce from certain passages of Scripture. Uh, But was that his physical problem? I'm not really sure. So maybe he had a physical problem, an emotional problem. Or one of the other things that people say that it may have been a people problem because there were people who were constantly following Paul's ministry trying to destroy it. And so... He talks about a messenger of Satan who was sent to buffet him. And so maybe that messenger of Satan was a person who was set out to try to destroy the work that Paul was doing or God was doing through Paul. So those are kind of the two major views on this. It was it was maybe a physical problem or it was a person problem. And uh, whatever the case, we can ask Paul when we get to heaven. But um, but the I think the really important part of the teaching is that Three times, he talks about this in Second Corinthians, three times he asked God to remove it from him, and God said, nope, my grace is sufficient, my strength is made perfect in your weakness, and when Paul got that answer, he said, all right, when I am weak, then I am strong, I'm going to rely on the strength of the Lord and move on. Get her done. Which is a really good teaching moment, if you will, because, I don't know about you, but I've met some people who, they just incessantly complain about their difficulties, their mm-hmm. thorns in life. And, and I get it. I wouldn't want to go through the same things they're going through. But at a certain point, if you've prayed for God to take it away and it hasn't gone away yet, then maybe want, God wants to be glorified in and through your life in that. And so Paul wanted God to be glorified whether he was strong or whether he was weak. And, and I think you could definitely say for Paul, that became really, really true, that he, God was glorified in his life. Right. So. What do you think of the theory that somebody had put out that maybe that he had some issue because they were talking about penmanship that they thought other people were writing the stuff for him and he was just signing with his own hand? It was very normal. It was very typical during that time for someone to have kind of a secretary, amanuensis, I think is the, the actual word, uh, to, to write things down so it would be dictated. The, the book of Romans was very clearly Paul dictating to a guy, I think it was Sosthenes, who writes it down. So, you know... So Paul certainly used that, you know, someone who would write it down for him. And then he would sign it occasionally with his own hand. Paul by my own hand. Hmm. So. Cool. Yeah. And then was he married? I don't think so. What do you think? I didn't, I didn't, I, I don't have any, there's nothing obviously biblically that we can see from it. Well, he certainly was not married when he wrote 1 Corinthians, because yeah. in 1 Corinthians 7, he makes it really clear that he was single. Do you think somebody was trying to entrap us and say that Paul's, thorn in the flesh with his wife you think somebody's trying to do that i Not didn't I didn't, I didn't see the connection but oh I, I i you know well i'm a you know i go to a cross connection church i see the connection yeah there. yeah yeah i think somebody was throwing that down cold-blooded love right there exactly but um, still a minty freshness to that yeah minty freshness so yeah so was he ever married i i don't know i don't think he was mm-hmm. uh, some people think he was i don't think he was yeah you know i've been having to we've been we have a squirrel issue Oh, at your 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 house uh, and house. your mom and, and dad's my house. mom, they live next door to us. My mom is like the trapper, and so the squirrels stop taking the bait in the trap for. Oh, really? Uh, well, like the bird they, seed and stuff. Her. Yeah, they're kind of onto it. So now she started with more exotic baits like Fruit Loops, and, you know, Lucky Charms, and you know what? She's up to like twenty three squirrels. Man, your mom is death toll. So I have to go down and execute them. But you know, you know, oh my goodness. You know, you know what we have to do? What do you do with a little a dead squirrel? And let me tell you, those things stink if you put them in the garbage. All dead things stink. They, no, they're, squirrels are exceptionally stinky. So okay. what do you do with squirrels that you, you know? They are not minty fresh. They are not minty fresh. 
But there's some cold blood love going there. Yeah, we've been having to deal How with that. How did we get on this topic? I was just thinking of the having to deal with these squirrels. But I love my mom, so I'm taking care of her squirrels. You know, Sounds good. Those things are burying under the house and tearing stuff up. They totally ripped her tomatoes off. Ooh, no wonder she wants to get back at them. Yeah, well, she said that the one was mean. It was snarling at her. Tomato season. Yeah, exactly. Feisty well, Didn't squirrel. they steal your mom's stuff? Oh, that was hilarious. Yeah. My mom has an apple tree, and all the apples disappeared from her tree, and she thought for sure some neighbor or someone cruising by stole all her apples. My sister says, no, I think they're probably the squir- squirrels. No, no, squirrels would never do that. No. Because they're so sweet. So the next season, this tree is filled with apples. And I, I pull up into her driveway, and I'm not kidding you. There are two squirrels, one on the ground and another in the tree. And it's just like Chip and Dale, the old Disney thing. Yeah. Like one squirrel is literally handing an apple down to the next squirrel. And so They're working as a team. They totally were. The NBA right there. So I the, went in the and I said, hey, mom, basket. I just want to let you know there's two squirrels out there ravaging your apple tree. And she... She moved so quick to get you out know, there. She oh. had a sign out there. She, I know. Yeah. I, I drove by and I thought. Scolding the, the apple thief. Apple thief. Yeah. And I came by and go, man, somebody knocked over the mom's tree. You know, what's going she on? She was not happy. That oh, was funny man. stuff. Craziness. Yeah. But wow. it, was, it was it was cartoonish. I mean, one squirrel was handing an apple to the next squirrel. It was just awesome. I, I still, I'll never forget this. I was in Morro Bay watching the. Um, otters. Otters. Yeah. And. uh one stands up, his mom's on her back, and one stands up on uh, his mom's belly, uh, and he's just checking everything out. He looks like a stand-up paddleboarder. Oh, that's, that's awesome. so cool. So, yeah, good stuff. All right, that's nature. Yes, indeed. That's our nature segment. Mm. I have a little-known fact that's not a news story. Huh. You know Bob Ross, right? Oh, the yeah. The famous painter. Happy Absolutely. little trees. Have, you know, No mistakes, just let's make it a tree. Happy little tree. Yeah, that's not a mistake. Let's make that a bird. Give this rock over here a little friend. Yeah. So, hey, right over here. Happy little piece of single track right here. You know. But anyway, I was reading about him. He had pet squirrels. Oh, he did have pet squirrels. He did. He did. They were in his pocket. He wouldn't like what I did to the squirrels. But anyway, his squirrels were different. Yeah. Um, but he was a drill instructor. He was. In, in the, the military. In the Air Force. And he was yes. in Alaska. Yes. And he said when he got out, he never wanted to scream at anybody yep. ever again. He never wanted to raise his voice. Okay. You know what else I read about Bob Ross? He hated his haircut. Yes, but it was cheap. The fro. Well, no, but people started to notice, notice him by that and it became kind of his thing. His iconic deal. Yeah. You know maybe something else? Maybe that's apocryphal, but that's what I heard. No, no, that's true. Okay. And then um, the uh, he didn't sell paintings. Oh. Those went to KPBS. He, oh, really? Yes. It was their, their well, rights to it, huh? he did one painting before the show to check it out. And then he did the painting on the show to live. And then he did a third painting after the show to get it perfect. There's a huge following on YouTube of Bob Ross and people doing his paintings now. Really? Yeah. Well, it's funny. The only paintings he sold when he worked in Alaska, he didn't have any money. Uh, there was these gold plates, and he would do paintings on these gold plates for people, like a tourist thing, a souvenir. He Interesting. In yeah. a tavern. And so I can't imagine what those things are worth nowadays. I mean, Bob's, Bob's pretty Bob famous. Ross, he's kind of a big deal. Yeah. But I, I, I like his paintings. Kinda, I thought that was kind of crazy. When I, when I stayed home from school as a kid and sick, you would always watch Bob Ross on KPBS. Well, we, we weren't big TV people, but you know, when the kids are getting kind of amped, you yeah. want to chill them out, you stick them in front of Bob Ross. Totally. And they, man, it was like, he made Mr. Rogers look hyperactive. I mean, yeah. So They were both on the same channel, though. They were probably buds. They're, they're homies. I think he was a Christian. Bob Ross? Yeah. I don't think so. No? But uh, Mr. Rogers was a Presbyterian minister. Uh, you know what? We need our listeners to do the hard investigative work, because I think Bob might have been a Christian. I don't think he was, but... We'll check um, it out. Tom Hanks is going to be playing Mr. Rogers in a movie about Mr. Rogers. And I saw the preview, and it looked pretty good. Really? Because, see, I see Tom Hanks being more like a uh, He really took on Bob the character. Guy. No, he really took really? on the character. Yep. Here you go, kiddies. It was impressive. Here yeah. comes the trolley. I remember, yeah, I remember him. Ding, ding. Yeah. When I, I used to come home, I wanted to take off my sweater and change my shoes like him. Yeah, was, you do that? He was so chill. Very no, nice. I know. I have servants to do that. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Um, You're going to drop your salary. In Luke 9.14, what is the reason slash significance of asking the crowd to sit in groups of 50? 
I have no idea. I don't know. Can I say that? Yeah, I guess. Maybe, maybe. Uh, okay, well, here. Maybe there was only 50 bleachers. Let's, let's I don't read, know. Let's read what our favorite commentary, our favorite living commentator. Has I to think say it's pretty cool that somebody was listening to the podcast on the Autobahn in Germany. Yeah, that was our friend David Guzik. Yeah. so He texted me. He was driving from Milstadt, Austria to Munich. And he said he was listening to the podcast on the Autobahn. You know what would make it cooler? Hmm. If he was going over 100. He probably was. They go pretty fast on the Autobahn. It's fun. And they won't even write you a ticket. I, uh, a friend of mine let me drive his Audi S5, I think it was. Yeah. Which is like supercharged. Yeah. And so I was driving myself and another friend. We were driving this car. We got it up to 118. It was fun. Cool. You have to look really far ahead when you're driving that fast. The good news is everybody else is driving like that too. Yeah. One of my favorites, my, my wife and I, we were coming back from Austria one time and we weren't in a super fast car, but we were moving pretty good. And uh, I'm cruising along at probably 95, 100 miles an hour. And I passed the Polizei, the, the police. And it just felt weird to drive that fast past the police. In the back of your American mind, you're going, I'm just waiting for the blue lights. As a guy who has passed the police at over 100 miles an hour in America? Yeah. <laughs> that's a weird feeling. <laughs> Let's just Did say. they pull you over? They got to catch you to pull you oh over. Oh, my bro. goodness This gracious. was many years ago. Oh, uh, many, goodness. many years ago. So, yeah. I have that's a, a weird feeling. I have a friend. I won't say his name. But he has a, an electric vehicle that goes very fast. We'll just say that much. And uh, he got pulled over by the police. And the cop said, I had to go over 100 to catch you. And then he said, now listen, I know this is a fun car, but can you slow it down a little? And he let him go. Wow. Yeah. That was pretty impressive. Wow. Okay. He doesn't listen to the podcast, does he? He better. So uh, our favorite living commentator, make them sit down in groups of 50. He says this. Let's see if we agree. Jesus wanted them to do this work in an orderly, organized way, and he also wanted them to enjoy the meal. There you go. All right. This command suggests that this was more than just putting food in their stomachs. That could be done standing up. The idea was that there was something like a banquet, a banquet-like atmosphere of enjoyment. Organizing them in groups of 50 also made it possible and much more easily to count, easy to count the multitude giving more reliability to the number, about 5,000 men. Okay, I'll take that. Sure. There you go. Enduringword.com. Yeah, 50, 100, 150. I guess it'd be easier to count yeah, that way. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So, cool. I'll, I'll go with that. I don't know. I like to make my kids sit down before I feed them. There you go. They come through like little ravaging wolves, and they start grabbing at things. Like, can, you, can you sit down for a second? You wait till, the, you wait till they're teenagers. Oh, scary. scary, my, my, scary, scary. My, when my kids were teenagers, it was like a food rapture. Yeah, You're lucky barely got to the table. So I was like, I, I remember that. Out. I grew up in a house with uh, some big eaters. Yeah, get your I hand out of the way. You I lose a brothers. hand. Yeah, you lose a hand, brother. Absolutely. I, yeah, per- Thanksgiving at the De Benedictus household. Good scary. way to get bit. Scary. Oh man. Yeah. All right. Okay, I have a question about Bethel music and mm. Bethel ministry. Should a church sing the songs written from this Bethel church if Bethel church is known for heretical teachings? Wouldn't this promote the church if you do their songs? No. No, it wouldn't. No, I'm not promoting the church. We're not promoting the church. We we use music from Bethel. We have some music from Hillsong. We don't agree with everything about Bethel or Hillsong. And, uh, but we do look at the lyrics as part of the reasons why we have a uh, worship pastor. Yes. Who makes sure that the lyrics of the songs we're singing are theologically in line with what we believe. And we figure, hey, if the song is theologically in line with what we believe, we have no problem doing it. Right. We want to put good thoughts and good worship in our people's mouths. God can speak truth even through a donkey. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Balaam's donkey, look at that. There you go. So, especially, you know, the boss wasn't listening on that one, so. You know what I love about the story about Balaam and his donkey? When the donkey turned around and spoke to Balaam, Balaam, like, spoke back to it like nothing weird was happening. It's a little freaky. Yeah. Donkey like, says, why are you kicking me? I've been a good donkey all these years. Yeah. And Balaam just 
Donkey. Doesn't even skip it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Donkey. You can't possibly do that without yeah. thinking of Eddie Murphy's voice, yeah. huh? Donkey. Yeah. Shrimp, hey, come on, hey, man. Donkey. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Oh, yeah. So that's... That's answered. Yeah, that's answered. We can't... In, in... I, I will say, though, we do not agree with uh, Bethel, their kind of view on theology. I, I'm do not they a have fan. theology? Yeah, but they got some some wacky okay. theology. All right, I was gonna say, gold dust and all kinds of good. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, and I'm not yeah. a I'm not really a big Hillsong guy either. So, eh, there's some good things out of Hillsong. Well, the the, the theological stances are not. I don't agree with all those. So, yeah. Anyway, but there's some great songs that come out of that. There really are that great song music. we do Creed. It's one of my favorite songs. That I song, in God is, the Father. That's a that's a good song. It's the Creed. Some it's really le- good. That truth song there. is legit. Those are good yeah, things to absolutely. be singing. So, yeah. uh, I'm with you on that one. Okay. Um, you listed five ways that God testifies of Jesus as divine. I didn't get all of them. What are they? So you can always go back to the sermons. We have the yeah. podcast sermons. Lifeandconnection.com. So hear that again, absolutely. But I bet you know what those are, Mr. Miles. I do. God testified in the divinity of Jesus at the baptism of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He did the same thing at the Mount of Transfiguration. I believe it's Matthew 17, 5. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased to hear him. He also reveals that this is the son of God, that he is um, divine through the miracles. And I mentioned John five thirty six that the miracles testify that Jesus is sent by the Father. Then God the Father testifies that Jesus is divine through the scriptures. John five thirty nine says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life, but they are they which speak of me. So the, the scriptures, and then finally the resurrection. Romans 1, 4 says that he was declared to be the Son of God by the Spirit of Holiness through the resurrection of the dead. So the resurrection shows that he is the Son of God. And then, I didn't mention this in, on Sunday, though I think it would have been a good addition to this whole thing. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter in verse 16 says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. The next verse, Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed not this revealed to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So God the Father is the one who reveals that Jesus is divine. And uh, as I said, one of the points on Sunday was only a fully divine Jesus can make us overcomers in the world. So if he's not divine, then he has no ability to save us. Yeah. I did a, I did a camp one time, the whole uh, who do you say that I am thing. Oh, wow. Okay. And kind of the premise of the camp was to get with the, they were young adults, and to get with them and, and to see like, who do they really think God was? I mean, when you talk about God to people, that was part of the discipline as we went through that scripture. And and uh, I got some great answers hmm. because, you know, some of them were, would start with little things, baby understandings of, you know, gosh, he's the creator. Others, he's the savior. And like drill down into that and explain that. And it really helped them to explain it to their peers. It was a really, a, a really good thing. But it, it's, it's all, that's a great question. I got a question. Who do you say that I am? I got a question. Yeah. You said young adults. At one, what point do you no longer be a young adult, and now you're just an adult? I'm going. I'm going. You know, eighteen. Oh, eighteen. You become our, an adult. I, well, let me get this. Let me. Let me. You want? You want me here? Go off on a minute. Yeah, okay, I want to hear. Here this, here okay. a rant. A Mark Childers uh, here, rant. Here's a rant. Is okay. this going to be first minty of all, freshness, or is this going to be cold blooded love? Cold blooded love. Right, cold blooded okay, love. First CBL. of all, my opinion. Yeah, okay. I like opinions. Formed by, you know, ministering with kids. And observations. And, and yes. A vast and, amount and of experimental observations. Absolutely. Because we are kids. theoretical. I had four kids God let me experiment on, and I had several hundred. Because we're know. what you call applied theologians. Exactly. Yes. So, uh, like applying the rod of correction. Right. Right. So, um, I do not think that we here yes. in the Estados Unidos I today, think I'm going to agree with you on this one. I don't think we require enough of kids. Right. And we treat them like children. We coddle them. We almost worship them. We run, schlep them here, schlep them there. And I just 2,000 years ago, a lot more was required of children. Right. My dad talks about the things that they had to go through with World War II. And, you know, they live with grandparents that came out of the Depression, things like that. And, like, in the, the time that Jesus walked the earth, I mean, our, our people don't even want to get driver's licenses. They're 19, 20 years old, don't have driver's licenses still. Um, I'm like... We got to ask a lot more out of our kids. I, I took kids to Mexico and we built stuff. I mean, I had them rolling trusses and doing like grown up construction work. And all you had to do is work with them and show them. And boy, they rise to the occasion. 
you know, a 15-year-old kid down in back in Jesus's day, he was already married and start getting ready to have kids and yeah. working and and doing all these things. So I think we delay adulthood for our children, and I think it's to their detriment. And I think you know. So even as a result of this, now sociologically speaking, we have a whole new term. Now we we call people emerging adults. Emerging adults. Emerging adult. They still haven't left the womb, or what's the problem? Emerging adults are like through their entire twenties. You're 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 emerging as an adult. So, I think I think they have five benchmarks of like, you you basically are an adult, and they are what is it? Finish your education, begin a career, get married, buy a home, and and start a family. And they say, as you're going through those things, you know, you're progressively moving into the area where you are self-sufficient. You are living on your own. And, uh, and there was a time where we basically uh, accounted people doing that at a much younger age. Well, the Marine Corps used to take 16, 17, and 18-year-old kids and hand them machine guns. I thought 16. How, how long ago did they make it that you couldn't join the military until? Because, I mean, even in World War II, you... You had to get, you had to basically lie if you were 17 going to the military. Yeah, but you had to get a note or something from your parents. But I'm just saying, like, patriotism was so high and the need was so high in World War II. Well, the Wall Street Journal says patriotism is on the decrease. Yeah, well, that's because we've coddled everybody. But they don't realize, because they've grown up in this safe environment, they don't realize that there's threats. And and I thank God for our military every time I I think of them and pray for them. But, um, you know, back in the day, so you say, um, they were very patriotic, ready, ready to do whatever it took to take care of, you know, hearth and home, so to speak. And uh, there was, you know, people that were 16 years old trying to get into them. I know people that were in the military when they were 16 years old, guys who yeah. heard these older guys' stories. And uh, they couldn't, they they didn't need to draft anybody. They were in line yeah. to do this. And boy, those guys grew up fast and hard. Not great, but I just think we, we do not require enough out of uh, young adults and they do not become adults as quickly as I'd like. In in the responsibility, hard work uh, stage, I do meet some. I've met some. You and I, we had an intern here a couple of years ago, old Jordan. I mean, Jordan was amazing. That girl yeah. was just fantastic. And uh, Yeah, I would say, unfortunately, on the, the spectrum of those who are successfully tackling life and moving forward progressively in a good mm-hmm. way, it's probably a minority. You'd have to say maybe, I don't know, hopefully 40% of them. I don't know. I don't know right. if it's that high. Yeah. You know, I, I'm i not 100% sure because there's part of me that feels like, yeah, I don't know if it's the best thing to do, but I've observed in other countries where mandatory military service is the norm that a lot of those countries, those people grow up a lot quicker. I, I don't know, have an issue. I don't have an yeah. issue with it. I think, uh, and you know, I think our kids grow up in some ways way faster. Or some than they sort of should. mandatory men- yeah. uh, mandatory civil service. Yeah, something. Did I know I... in Germany, uh, there were a number of interns at the church that I served with in Germany who they were doing their civil service, working at the church. Wow. They all had mandatory civil service. Some of them went into the military. Some of them went into other nonprofit organizations, and one of them was the church. Well, after a relationship with Christ, I think one of the greatest things that young people can learn and to make a habit is to serve others. Yeah. And not talk about it, not post it on, you know, social media. You haven't done anything if you post something on social media, but actually show up and help others. I think really gross. What if you post on social up. media a picture of you doing something? Well, I think it's kind of like you boasting about what you did. You lose your blessing. Oh, you know, okay. All right. I'll yeah. throw that out. But, uh, All right. I'll take you that. You know, I mean, I, I think if it, you know what, if it encourages somebody else to go out and do the same, then I guess maybe you did a good thing. Yeah. You know, but. You know, you know people who go on mission trips and they have to post, you know, the pictures of themselves with the local whoever it is. And well, I'm sure William yeah. Carey did the same thing. You, you think so? Yeah, <laughs> and, and Livingston and and uh, yeah, Adoniram Hudson Judson, Taylor, and, Hudson yeah, Taylor, Hudson yeah. Taylor. Yeah. They, they totally had Instagram yeah. feeds. You know, yeah. I, I bet you Richardson. Probably is, you think there yeah, probably they, is a William Carey Instagram feed and like a Adoniram Judson all those. Yeah, things. yeah. You think the Elliots? The, the, can I get a picture with you, native guy, before you kill me? There you go. Yeah, I don't think so. So anyway, I think that's uh, that's one of my rants. I think the kids, we coddle them too much. So, yeah. Grow up. Get a job. Be an adult. Get married. Stop eating my family. F- yeah, stop eating my food. You know, so, I think we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, that when you have kids. Get off my lawn. No, it challenges <laughs> no, you. It challenges you on the patient side and the selfishness side when you start to start a family. Right. 
And uh, I, I think it could be rightly said that we live in a pretty narcissistic culture. And, you know, this statistic that, you know, more and more people ages 18 to 38 don't have a high value for having children, I think, I don't know if that's such a good thing. I don't think it's going to help our society so much. Well, aside from the population decrease that could potentially come from that. Yeah, that wouldn't be a good thing. Well, that, that it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, you know, I mean, there's a learn. I don't know if you've experienced, you were probably better at this than I was, but, you know, I, I when we started having kids, I saw a lot of responsibility and I was uh, kind of hesitant a little bit. I knew we wanted kids, but my life changed. Living for other people was a new concept. For oh, me. yeah. And boy, that, that was really hard. Now, we were having the discussion. How old were you when your first was born? Well, I'm 55 and he's 30. Okay, 25. 25, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a big adjustment Yeah, all the things you thought you were going to do in life, you know, places you're going to go, that kind of gets put on hold. And then for the next, you know, 25 years or whatever, you're learning to live for other people. And that was an adjustment. And it was interesting because my wife and I were talking about, you know, people's fears and things that you take away. What's something that you as a man would, you would never want taken away from you. And I said, boy, it, it would be really hard to not be able to provide for my family, take care of my family. Yeah. And yeah, when you have to live for somebody else, it it ups the game. Yeah, it does. It does. It becomes a, a greater a greater concern, but it teaches you a lot. It's a it's a necessary step, I think, and I think that's part of the reason why God said, "Be fruitful and multiply." Yeah, so I, I think that's really healthy and good for us, and I think God, that's part of God's certainly something to pray about. Working with, yeah, and absolutely. how to how to reach out to this generation, uh, a little bit younger than me. I'll be I'll be forty soon, soon and, and very uh, soon, soon and very soon, and so. This group called Millennials, which I'm kind of like the barely the senior class of Millennials, yeah, ish, yeah. It's I, like uh, I'm a baby boomer ish. I'm in the yeah. Last, we're on the we're on the last dividing year. line. Yeah, we get the best of both worlds. Um, you could have been a part of the, the. Oh wait, no, you're you're on the you're on the verge of Gen X, right? Is that right? Sixty four. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm 64. most likely I'm probably more Gen X, really. In reality, yeah, yeah, you totally are. But yeah, yeah, punk rock and the whole deal. I. Actually, yeah. Guilty yeah. as charged. So, yeah. So, we need to pray, like, how we can reach this generation with the good news of the gospel and to encourage them with the principles of Scripture, because the principles of Scripture lead to blessing. So, yeah. And salvation. That's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They need so, Jesus. Dude. Lord, yes, they do. help us to figure out how to reach those people. You got anything big going on this week? Hey, it's Labor Day, and we're changing the service times. Oh, that's right. Fall back 30 minutes. We don't want anybody showing up at the wrong time and thinking there was a rapture but they will. and they were left behind. Nobody who listens to the podcast will show up on time. In fact, maybe that'll be the, the secret face. I'm on time. Okay. I was going to say I'm not left behind, but okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not yeah. left behind. I'm not left behind. Yeah. Yeah. I am not left behind. Yep. Yeah. I don't, like that. Don't be one of the, one of the uh, left behind, left behind saints or the right behinds, but the left behind. Yeah. I like that. So 739. 1045. Yeah. Don't be left behind. That's right. And uh, and then Labor Day. It's a new season almost. Is it almost fall? I wish it'd be fall. It needs to get here faster. I was hoping that the, the weather was going to get a little bit cooler. And then I looked at the next 10-day report, and it's like in the 90s for the next 10 days. What temperatures are out there right now? Because I'm going to Right go... now it's 84. It's not too bad. Okay, because we're riding bikes with the guys tonight. We got some new recruits out there. Got some old guys that still haven't learned their lesson. It's it was a great tiny time. bit humid, a little moist. Moist? Ew. Yeah. Moist is a creepy word. Moist. Anyways, don't be left behind. Yeah. We'll see you on Sunday at 7.30. Adios. 9 or 10.45. It. Peace out. Yo. Yo.